My name is David Greenhaw. I'm an ordained minister of the United Church of Christ, and I serve as the interim senior minister here at Naples United Church of Christ. And I welcome you who are joining us for worship today in the sanctuary. And I extend a special welcome to those who are joining us online uh, with our streaming service. Uh, And I want to extend a special welcome to the community at Arbor Trace that has gathered uh, to watch us. So, uh, welcome. Good morning. Welcome to worship on the second Sunday of Advent, where we will lift up peace. That's a theme for today, and I echo David's welcome for those folks who are online as well. We are so glad you are with us. I'd now like to invite you to register your attendance. And so if you're in the sanctuary, there are blue attendance pads at the end of your pews. Please take a moment to fill that out and then pass it to your neighbor and maybe wave at them and give them a smile. And if you're worshiping with us online, please write your name in the comments section so that we know you're with us today. And while you're there, you can click on the link for the PDF of our bulletin so you can follow along with our worship order if you like. And also today is Communion Sunday. So if you're with us in person, that means you don't need to do anything right now. But if you're worshiping online, please take this opportunity to gather some kind of beverage and some kind of bread-like food so that you can participate in that sacrament with us a little bit later on in the service. Well, um, today, between services, we have a special program that we've been experimenting with this fall called Intersections. And in this program... Uh, A member of ours, John Bachman, uh, interviews another member uh, and in a format that's uh, both you learn about that person and each other a little bit. Uh, That is uh, only about 40 minutes in length, 35, 40 minutes in length, so it fits in neatly between the two services. So please join us today uh, for that uh, event. If you tried to do it before when I announced it, just ignore that short guy in the front. I was wrong last time. I'm right this time. And so grab a cup of coffee from the gathering place and go into Nelson 206, which is the uh, room on the second floor. And also, so that's right after worship, and then a little bit later on, also today at 3 o'clock, is our well-loved annual Christmas music concert with Dr. Becky and friends. The programs are printed, and I have looked through the order, and it is going to be a wonderful time, and we'll sure to put, be put you in the mood for this festive season. So come back at 3 o'clock today here in the sanctuary for our Christmas concert. Wednesday of this week, those of you who have been itching to do some real hands-on volunteering, there's an opportunity to do so because it's our day to do food packing at Harry Chapin. Um, I was fortunate to go see people do that. It's uh, it's quite an assembly line and lots of food is packed. Harry Chapin uh, provides uh, uh, food for many um, uh, food pantries and they gather a variety of foods and then create boxes to send together. So it's both a good opportunity for service and a good opportunity to work with one another. 
So on Wednesday, after you go pack food at Harry Chapin, join us right here at noon in the sanctuary for the second of our midweek Advent meditations. And our own Reverend Dr. David Greenhaw will be offering the reflection at that midweek service. So come back on Wednesday at noon, and there will also be beautiful music, as there always is. Um, One quick reminder is that our Christmas dinner, our wonderful all-church Christmas dinner, again, another very festive event is next Wednesday. It's not till next Wednesday, December 15th, but the deadline to sign up is this Friday. So put December 9th in your head if you want to go to that dinner and please um, RSVP in the church office or on your way out uh, out of church today, you can stop by the gathering place and sign up with Chelsea and just take care of that. So we'll look forward to seeing you at that dinner. So um, you all remember maybe from your own childhood or the time of your children, the program's called Vacation Bible School. Uh, A brief time uh, each morning or uh, part of a day when children get together and learn Bible stories and encounter the church and get to be uh, together. Well, we're launching something like Vacation Bible School this December. We're calling it Christmas Camp. And it's three days. It's a Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of the week between Christmas and New Year. And uh, it's 9 in the morning-ish till 11.30, something like that. I think I have that right. Uh, And we want you to come. Uh, We want you to have your... Not you. Your... (laughs) You can't come. Well, some of you can, you can but, but most of you can come and volunteer. But what we'd really like you to do is if your grandkids are here, don't have them watch that little video game all morning while you get ready to go play golf. Have them, or go to the zoo, have them come to Christmas camp. Or if you have a neighbor who has visitors, have them. Have them come. We want, it's a y'all come sort of thing. We want to have so many children we can't hold them all. And all they have to do is come for those three days, and uh, Jeannie Snedeker is going to direct this, and I'm going to make an appearance. I think I'm a shepherd. Uh, uh, And so please uh, encourage young people. We're wanting registrations right now, no cost. It's a free event. Please encourage young people that you know to come. And as I said, today we are celebrating our second week of Advent, the week of peace, and so we'll be lighting the second candle on our Advent wreath. And I want to introduce this morning's wreath lighters, George and Lynn Fries. They, you want to go ahead and stand up? You can go ahead. (laughs) Um, They have been, no, you can take, we're not lighting it right now, you can go ahead and take a seat. I'm just introducing you. Um, They have been coming to our church faithfully every Sunday since the 1970s. So longtime members of Naples UCC, that deserves an applause. And we can count on them to be here every Sunday. We are so thankful for your participation in the life of our church and grateful that you're able to light our wreath today. So let us uh, continue with the worship of God. Last Sunday, we lit the candle of hope remembering the hope which comes in Christ. Today, we light the second candle of Advent, the candle of peace. God has a peaceful dream for the world, and we dream it too. We dream of a peaceful world full of wolves and leopards and lions, eating and sleeping and dancing with lambs, kids, and calves. We dream of a peaceful world where nations come together where war is a memory and we eat at one table. 
Please join together with the reading in the bulletin. On this day, we remember the Lord of all, who brings peace, surpassing all understanding. Would you join me now as we say together the prayer of invocation? Lord of both the light and the darkness, send your Holy Spirit upon our preparations for Christmas. We who have so much to deep and seek quiet spaces to hear your voice each day. We who are anxious over many things look forward to your coming among us. We who are blessed in so many ways long for the complete joy of your kingdom. We whose hearts are heavy seek the joy of your presence. We are your people walking in darkness yet seeking the light. May your peace come to us. Amen. I invite you to be in a spirit of prayer with me as I offer this morning's pastoral prayer. Let us pray. God of our waiting, our longing, help us to hold on to hope for your everlasting peace. We long to hear the angels sing glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace, goodwill to all people. We remember your promise of a ruler of peace filled with the spirit of God, of wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, of justice and faithfulness. We long to hear your peace proclaimed. Help us to live into your peace by loving our neighbors as ourselves by seeking nonviolent resolutions, by valuing each life as a gift from you. Grant us your peace in our lives, even if that means a momentary pause in which we take a deep breath. And may that pause allow us to know that you are with us, especially during our moments of struggle and challenge. We dream your dream of a world at peace where wolves lie down with lambs, where enemies are reconciled and children play in safety, where the poor and powerless find justice. This morning, we mourn with all the families who struggle with peace this season as they know they will celebrate these holidays without a loved one. We hold in our hearts those who know that this might be their last season with their loved one. May we cling tightly to all the time we are granted with those we love, for we know that each day is a gift not to be taken for granted. And we pray blessings upon those for whom this season is a first for joyous reasons, a new baby, a first Christmas married, or a first Christmas in the new house. We pray for those for whom this is just another ordinary year, not great, not awful, just low-key, we need the highs and the lows and everything in between, and sustainable, lasting peace is often found in the mundane. Help each of us, O oh God, that we might be peace bearers in a world which so desperately needs your peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding. And we pray this in the name of the Prince of Peace, who first taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Hebrew Bible, from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 11. And if you'd like to follow along with the text, you're welcome to do so as it is printed in your bulletins. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge for the poor and decide with equity for the oppressed of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the lion will feed together and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. May God bless our modern hearing of these prophetic words. The Revolutionary War was not very good to Edward Hicks. He was born in the middle of it in 1780. His mother died in childbirth. His father was a British loyalist, chose the wrong side, and lost everything after the war, and no longer could take care of young Edward, so Edward lost his mother, his father, his home, as he was sent to live with an aunt near Philadelphia in Pennsylvania. His aunt was a Quaker and raised him with great vigor in the Quaker church. She was strict, but faithful and kind, and he took to the Quaker religion and became a Quaker minister himself. In fact, became quite well known as a Quaker minister, but you couldn't make money as a Quaker minister very well, and he tried to do painting of things, but didn't make much money painting things. So then he started to paint images, images that came from the Bible and represented the peaceful nature of the Quakers, a 
To this day, they are known as a peace church. If you look in your bulletin, the lower of the two photos uh, towards the back of the bulletin, there's an image by Edward Hicks called the Peaceable Kingdom. And in that image, he shows the, the very things from this passage from Isaiah. He shows the lion eating straw with the ox. He shows the bear and the cow together and the wolf and the lamb. He shows all of the children. He shows everything in this foreground as a beautiful, peaceful scene. And even in the background, if you look in the background, he shows William Penn gathered with the Lenape tribes and forging a peaceful agreement that they would love and live together in harmony. Edward Hicks paints this beautiful picture. This is one of over 60 of these paintings that he did. It, in fact, became kind of his Quaker ministry, and unlike other Quaker ministries, he made a little money from it. Not nearly what you could get for one of these paintings today. A remarkable image of the peaceable kingdom by an American painter. In World War I was starting to rage and Woodrow Wilson gave a rousing speech that a man named Horace Pippin heard. Horace Pippin responded to Wilson's energy and decided to go to the First World War and to enlist. And he enlisted in a segregated uh, group called the Harlem Hellfighters. The American army didn't exactly know what to do with an African-American regiment, so they lent them to the French, and they fought with the French valiantly. For 14 months, Horace Pippin fought the Germans in Europe. In the 14th month, he was shot and wounded. He got hit by a bullet in his right shoulder. It resulted in surgery and the implanting of a plate and near complete paralysis in this right arm. He was right-handed. When he went home, uh, he was discharged with an honorable discharge after the First World War. By the way, just an aside, he never got a Purple Heart until... 1945, 27 years after he was shot, it took the government that long to recognize these African-American fighters. Anyway, he goes home, and his therapy is to paint cigar boxes with that arm. He, he figured out a way to, to take a fire poker and hold his arm up and be able to paint. And he started to paint images. Horace was a very active member of the African Methodist Episcopal Church in Westchester, Pennsylvania, in Chester, Pennsylvania. He, he, was, uh, he was engaged in that church and believed in that church, and he too had studied and known about Edward Hicks and his peaceable kingdom. He'd, he'd seen them and heard about them. He, he was, came under the influence of the, of the owners of the Barnes collection, Dr. Barnes, a, 
a fine collector of artwork, and was encouraged to paint, and he painted an image of the peaceable kingdom as well. And it's there also in your bulletin. And it too has the animals that are all gathered together peaceably there in the foreground. But unlike Hicks, the background for his painting is not such a peaceful scene. It's hard to see. It's meant to be hard to see. But you'll see that gathered in the lawn are red poppies. You know, the markers of all those killed in the First World War. And behind the red poppies, further in the background, there are white crosses. And then there are brown images. On the right-hand side, there are German soldiers and a German tank. And in the center, there's an airplane dropping a bomb. And on the left-hand side, a man lynched. Behind the peaceable kingdom, there is a lot of things that are troublesome in the world. This is one of three paintings that Pippin did called Holy Mountain. This one's got the creative title, Holy Mountain (laughs) 3. And... uh, When he painted it, each one he did a different date on. The date in the bottom right-hand corner is August 9, 1945. That is the date that the bomb was dropped on Nagasaki. A peaceable kingdom in a world not at peace. 1945, still at war. A man who was wounded and marked forever by a war a man who suffered the injustice of racism. He says this about about this painting. He says, Holy Mountain came to my mind because the whole world is in such trouble. And in reading the Bible, Isaiah 11, 6, it says that there will be peace in the land. He goes on to say, if a man knows nothing but hard times, he will he will paint them. If he knows nothing but hard times, he'll paint them. But he must be true to himself. But even that man may have a dream, an ideal. And Holy Mountain, he said, is my answer to such dreaming. So these two images, we have, we have the image of Edward Hicks, so peaceful, And that of Horace Pippin. I like Horace Pippin better, I have to tell you. I like it because it's more like the world that I know. A world that is not fully peaceful, but a world that is foregrounded with peace. Peace is in the foreground. Peace is the hopeful horizon in the foreground. But in that world, there are still horrible things going on. Terrible things going on. This contrast between the tension and the troubles and the peace that's, that's the world I know. I want to suggest to you it is also the world of Jesus. It is also the world of the Christ. Today, we're going to come to the communion table. We're going to share at the communion table, and Jesus shares with his disciples. Jesus, the, the Prince of Peace, shares with his disciples the news that his body is broken and his blood out. Poured. To, to have peace in the Christian way is to put in the foreground the peace that the way it ought to be. Not to forget 
the bad things, but to look beyond them for, for now, to look beyond them, but to engage the evil that is still right there lurking in the dark, hoping and living for the peace. It's extraordinary, isn't it? We have two candles. <laughs> the first is hope. The next one is peace. Peace is, of course, far too elusive, and we must still hope for it. This year I've struggled with what it means to be Christian. In this year when there is war raging in Ukraine, and I think about the horrible things that are happening to human beings who are losing their homes to war, and I would like to ignore it, I would like to pretend that war doesn't ever come. I'd like to paint a painting like Edward Hicks that blots it out. But I think I'm led more by Pippin, led to believe we must engage the troubles in the world in ways we do not want to engage them, but always to be Christian is to place in the foreground Peace, a peaceable kingdom where we will be led by an extraordinary child who brings newness of life. Amen. Sisters and brothers, we have a Prince of Peace. We have a vision and a hope and a plan and a life and a promise of peace. It is our foreground even with the turmoils in which we live that form our background. We go forth today hoping, longing, having Christ's peace. Amen.